0: Uh, the long distance thing actually at the very beginning, it's not long distance, Philly, New York is very short, but, um, not being in the same place together, I think actually helped us create a stronger emotional bond okay. because we were FaceTiming and that sort of thing. And I know that you've had other guests on here who are like, long distance was terrible and that sort of thing. And so when I heard that, I was like, oh, okay, well, this is a different take, right? And I, I really do think it helped us be, um, more connected.
1: friends, welcome to the Medicine, Marriage & Money podcast, the only podcast for physicians who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, a Gottman leader and Certified Life and Marriage Coach, Dr. Kate Mangona. Welcome. Bienvenidos. Welcome, friends. Welcome again to another episode of Medicine, Marriage, and Money podcast. Today, we have a very special guest on my show who I have heard about and been wanting to to come on and speak for months and months and months. And um, as a mutual friend, very, very good friends. So please welcome Dr. Louie Kathy Zane. She is a hospice and palliative medicine physician, author, speaker, and transformational life coach. She hosts the Purpose Filter podcast, the show that helps living people apply dying lessons before it's too late. And her mission is to give people the tools to help them overcome barriers and to live the life they actually want to live with the years they have left. So let's welcome on Kathy. We're going to talk about her and how she fell in love with her hubby, uh, and yes, all the things.
0: All the things. Hello, hi. How are you, Kate? Thank you so much for having me on here. I'm excited to you know talk and get real.
1: Awesome. Okay, so let's start out. Let's just dive into it. What makes a successful marriage. What I like to call it marital interdependence at Medicine Marriage and
0: Money. How do you create that? Hmm, I, I love this question. And I love that you always start with it in your interviews. That you can just kind of get out the gate with the hard stuff. Um and I said this actually in my in my vows when we got married. Um it was like when I was a little girl, I never dreamt of like a wedding in a sense i always dreamt of a person i always dreamed of someone that i could share a life with and i think in in society and in culture you know there's so much of like find the one the person that completes you your other half that sort of thing and i i understand the sentiment and it's wonderful and i think at the same time it's like people go on searching for someone to complete them rather than what i like to believe, which is you are your own person, they are their own person, and you join hands together and walk this path of life together as partners. And so that for me is like what makes a successful marriage is also and I know, you know, you've talked about this too, on your podcast before, it's just like, how do we become someone that other people want to be with? Right? And like, focusing on the growth of our own selves and making sure that we're bringing the best version of our partnership to the relationship. And so that's been something that is very much on, you know, the forefront of my mind when it comes to marriage.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. I loved how you didn't dream of a wedding. You dreamed of the person. So tell me, how did you meet this person? How many years ago was it? What did that look like when you were falling in love?
0: So funny story. We met in 2011. Uh, it was my fourth year of med school. It was the winter, so it was like in that weird limbo period between you submitting your rank list and uh-huh. getting your match, right? So uh-huh. I was like, I don't know where I'm gonna be, etc. So my friends and I went out to a nightclub. His friends and him went out to a nightclub. His friend hit on my friend, and you know, um, my husband and I were wing people essentially, uh-huh. and. And so we were like, oh, you know, like we found each other attractive, et cetera. We went on maybe a couple dates. And this was in New York at the time. Went on a couple dates. Nothing really went further because by the time um we were gonna go on more dates, I had matched to Philly for residency. And I was like, I'm not gonna, I barely know you, we're not gonna do this. <laughs> so five years go by, like total radio silence, like no contact, nothing, absolutely nothing. Um in 2014, uh, 2015, 2016, something like that, we, um, he got a hip replacement because he has a a congenital hip disorder and he had his hip replaced and he's a physical therapist. So he was doing um, physical therapy videos, posting it on Facebook. And he just happened to pop up on my feed. I sent him a message and I was like, Hey, do you remember me? He's like, um, what did he say? He's like, it's probably not the best way to, you know, reintroduce yourself to be like, do you remember me? But he's like, yeah, I do. We met up and then we started dating. And then, you know, ever since then, that's, that's really been about it. We got married about, um, May of 2021. Wait, so why did he say that's not the best way to introduce yourself? I'm curious. Well, maybe not the, I don't know exactly what he said. He was like, Um, not the best way. He's like, it's always, it might be, I think he was like, oh, you know, um, it may never be a good sign. If you start off with, um, a message being like, do you remember me? Okay.
1: Okay. That sort of thing. Right. Because like, what if you don't, or what are you supposed to say? You know what? My, my husband, I do this all the time. Apparently I'm like unaware, but I do this all the time at parties or we, we randomly bump into people when we're out or at the store. Like I meet, I see somebody and I recognize their face and I just get so excited about who it is that we're randomly bumping into. I say, Victor, do you know who this is? I say that, apparently I say that. Do you know who this is? And Victor's like, uh, <laughs> uh yeah. <laughs>
0: it's like, wait put me on the spot.
1: He says, I'm putting him up. And to me, I'm like, I'm just excited. So it's just like, and I like in my, I guess my coach mindset, I like ask questions, but instead I should be like, Oh, so happy to see you. My name is Kate or my name or like, if I do know who they are, say their name, but I do. Yes. So I know I totally get where that comment was going there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what is it that you fell in love with?
0: Mm. I, you know, if you ask my husband and I how long we've been together, his answer is about six months longer than mine. (laughs) So, you know, and I think it's because what you, we were, I was living in Philly at the time and he was living in New York when we got reconnected. And so, uh, I was like, I don't want to start a long distance relationship. Like what's going to happen. And, um, you know, once we reconnected, he kind of was like, oh, that's when our relationship started. But I was still dating other people. We hadn't, we weren't exclusive. And then, you know, at one point he was kind of just like, you know, either like make a decision or we're not going to do this anymore because I, it would have been, I don't know, six months or something like that. And I was like, you know, you're really attractive. But I was like, I don't know if I really feel like you could be a life partner for me um and the moment I decided that I was like you know I'm gonna give it a try my friends were like just give it a real shot uh I saw him blossom into like this person he was really funny and caring and I remember specific moments like when we would be out and we would I don't know go to a coffee shop and we would leave and he would just like you know go and grab the door and hold it open and like you know, pick up someone's stroller who was coming inside. And it was just very automatic for him. And I kind of looked at that. I was like, oh, this person has a good heart, you know? Um, And so that's, I think what really made me fall in love to just be like, he's, he just needed to feel confident enough to show who he really was to me. And then after that, I was like, head over heels and, you know, that sort of thing. So.
1: Oh, yes. You just had to give him the chance, the opportunity, right. To Like see him through the lens of like, this could be, this could be something. Mm-hmm. And I love how you share his good heart. Like I could actually see him opening the door, picking up my stroller with the baby. And like, as I'm tr- struggling with my three kids, you know, it is so nice and people
0: was this in Philly or New York. Um, mm, so what what we had done was, I think we had dated for um, maybe about a year, eight months to a year before I decided I was going to move back to New York. I'm okay. from New York. And it was kind of at a point in my career where I was like, oh, maybe, maybe not. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of hesitancy on my part, you can imagine, to be like, am I going to go all in on this relationship? And if I do, am I going to have to uproot my life, etc. But uh, the long distance thing actually at the very beginning, it's not long distance, Philly, New York is very short. But um, not being in the same place together, I think actually helped us create a stronger emotional bond okay. because we were FaceTiming and that sort of thing. And I know that you've had other guests on here who are like, long distance was terrible and that sort of thing. And so when I heard that, I was like, oh, okay, well, this is a different take, right? And I, I really do think it helped us be. Um, more connected
1: yeah no and I've heard I've heard both ways I've heard that that being the long distance really helped solidify the foundation of a relationship and I've I've seen uh, the opposite where the long distance created divide so it's really is a choice it's not just circumstances right and yeah. and um so and I, and, oh, and I think most of the people I have on this podcast they they fall in love with this really kind caring, good heart person, like those are the people that come onto medicine, marriage, and money <laughs> and talk It's the people who really love like their person. Of course, we all are going to go through conflict. We're going to all get in arguments, right? We're going to all go through hard times we gonna maybe yelling at each other or not talking to each other for a few days at a time, but it's just so nice to hear. Okay. So this is the person he is. I'm choosing to stay in love with him. Have you dealt with anything like have struggles came up between your marriage and now? Um, and you could even like just minor things, like um, little tiny things like who's going to uh make the coffee in the morning? I had a previous guest who just talked about that, like how that was a struggle for them. Uh, and how do you navigate
0: that? That's such a great question, and it's something that I've really been working on, I would say the last, you know, couple years as well. We're, you know, a newer couple in terms of how long we've been married. And I I realized that he is such a different person than I am. Like I, like, I'll just give you an example. When we're shopping at the grocery store, I just throw all the food into the cart. Like I don't care where it goes. I was like, it's going to get sorted into bags anyway. It doesn't matter. He is like, no, there's a spot for every item that we put in the cart and so by the time we get to the checkout line it is like perfectly organized like tetris and more than once has a cashier said to us she looks at us and she goes she looks at the cart she looks at us and she goes which one of you is a virgo <laughs> because it's him he is he's you know he self-describes as almost like, um, a little with obsessive compulsive, like tendencies, I wouldn't call it disorder because it doesn't function. He doesn't impact his functioning, but he puts all of his, um, cash in his wallet from like increasing order, like, right. All the bills have to be the same way. And I'm like, I don't care. Just put, put it in there. (laughs) And, and a lot of the tension, at least on my part and our part too, but it was like, I kept trying to make him be more like me, you know, I kept trying to be like, why aren't you um, more ambitious? Or why don't you want to travel more? Or, you know, why can't you be um, more self-sufficient if we're traveling alone or something like that? And i realized that that doesn't help him in any way. Right. Like I would be miserable if I was, dating or married to myself, it would drive, it actually drive me bonkers. And he is so caring and so precise and so, you know, supportive. And the more that I lean into allowing him to be who he naturally is, the more that I see him, you know, in, in a sense, like doing the things that I actually was hoping he would do to begin with the being more confident, being more independent. And a lot of that and I, I imagine a lot of your um, female physician listeners may resonate with this was that being the physician, the primary breadwinner in a heterosexual male female relationship, that introduces a lot of conflict, whether we talk about it or not, right? And I noticed that for the first, you know, let's say three quarters of our relationship, now, he's making way more money than I am and I'm starting a business and I had to invest a lot of my money. And so the roles are kind of flipped, but in a sense, he had to kind of have that confidence with his own business, his own skills to be able to come into more of who he is.
1: Yeah. No, I, I totally, I love that you, you, you switched from, okay. And I think this happens at, in the, in the marriages that work, Right. Like the masters. We learn because we all want to change people around us so that we feel better, so that we aren't in as much pain. And like, wouldn't it be just so much better if he could be ambitious, travel more, and be self-sufficient? So we wouldn't have to take care of him. Or, or maybe we don't have to take care of him anyway. Right. Like he he could be uh self-sufficient in a different way. So allowing him to be more himself, okay, and then that brings out just your confidence that he can be more himself, brings out his confidence, his, his ambitions, which may be different than yours. That's all like lovely and amazing. And I love how you say it. I can, you give me like one example or break it down. Like how does that happen on the daily? Like what? Okay. And and you did say, okay, you said the groceries in the cart. You said the dollar bills in the wallet. When you said that, was that because you have tried to get him to do those types of things differently? Mm. So okay, thank you.
0: I'll give I'll give you a more concrete example. So, like, um, on a day to day basis, he is much more of the like home caretaker person, and I am much more of the like, you know, I always say that of. In a relationship there's usually one person who's a little bit more of a visionary and like a future thinker than the other um and a lot of times it can be hard if both of those people are exactly like that and so i'm more of that latter type of visionary person um i see futures i see what's possible for him for me for us for my clients like you know that sort of thing and there was you know a point where I was doing so much of the future seeking behavior that I wasn't actually as invested in our home. Yeah. And, you know, he was like, All I want to do is support you. All I want to do is, he's like, My ambition is to have a really great marriage. And I was like, And I want to do all these things, all the, you know, I want to change the world, et cetera. And so part of me was like, don't you want to change the world too and i know he does but in his way changing the world starts with taking care of us as a family unit right and so it was kind of that mismatch where i thought that he had to change when in reality i had to change my mindset first wow. and then we met in the middle if that makes sense
1: oh my gosh totally totally and And so let's talk about that. Let's talk about your evolution from, from your palliative care. And you could tell us if you're still doing palliative care, did you completely evolve into a transformational life coach? What is that? How did that journey unfold and how did it affect your marriage?
0: Mm, Great question. So um, I was a hospitalist for four years, went back to pal care for training because I was just like, I love spending time at the bedside talking to people. I just, like, give me all the time in the world. Like, I want to know what your dog's names are. I want to know, like, how many kids you have. I want to know your grandparents' stories, all of that. And I just felt that in hospital medicine, as much as I liked it, we just weren't reimbursed for it, right? Like, it's just not um, incentivized. And I went into medicine to just help people and hear their stories. So palliative care was just like a huge thing for me. And it is the closest for me that I found to medicine being a calling. Like before it was like medicine is a job and I like it a lot and I'm really good at it. And palliative care feels literally like, Oh, this is something that I meant to do. And so I, I love it. Um, And then the coaching and all that stuff really came because I had a really, really difficult time during the pandemic. Uh, You know, I was in New York in an underserved hospital. We were hit first in palliative care, six months into my pal care attending job. And, you know, it was awful. It was really, really hard. And um, it got to a point where I was in a very, very, very dark space. I needed therapy. I needed a lot of coaching and both of those changed my life so much. And I was like, I have to do this for other people. And so now that's the bill. That's the business that I'm building is to really help people with their mindset, with their emotional regulation, to be able to then work on themselves so much that they can go out and make that ripple effect to other people.
1: And do you ever feel Like, okay, because you mentioned this earlier, you want to change the world. This is how you're changing it. And your spouse wants to like be the family unit. Do you ever feel like it gets in the way or you focus so many hours and so much time and intense energy on this, on helping other people that you miss those moments with Jake?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We had many fights about that, especially over the last year. And I'll be completely honest, right? Like no marriage is perfect. We love each other deeply and that sort of thing. And because I was so mission driven, it became the most important thing in my life. And I went to, I think one of the Tony Robbins seminars when they were talking about relationships and and he was like, if anything in your life is more important than your relationship, then you better watch out because that relationship is on the rocks. Right. And that was a reckoning that I had to face to be like, how can I show my husband that our relationship and he is still number one in my book and in my life and that I'm still super passionate about all this other stuff that I want to do. And we've had to work through that, to be honest,
1: and how do you show him? So like, okay, so you're probably still in the process, right? Like, just like I am, I'm. Always, we're always in the process of figuring it out. Uh, do you have any, um, have you had any epiphanies recently? Or did you, or just like maybe small shifts that, that does show that he is the most important thing. And you can do that, be in the relationship completely with him and be mission driven and help other people
0: hmm So part of it is the quality time. Like that's one of his love languages and, you know, mine as well. Um, part of it. So what we do now is like before I would just eat dinner in my office and keep working through the night. Right. And so now it's like I, we make much more of an intention to eat dinner together. Um, this year we started doing going to the gym together. We used to have separate kind of gym routines. And now we're like twice a week, not every day twice a week we go to the gym together and it's a way for us to catch up on our day to be active together and to bond mm-hmm. um we also you know intentionally try to have little things uh we go to trapeze class we started a hobby we fly oh trapeze Tra- mm-hmm. yeah we so love yeah, it
1: it sounds like you're just making calendar shifts it was yes. never really a relationship issue. it's like a scheduling issue so you just got to schedule any time to love each other.
0: Mm -hmm, Yeah. And it seems so simple thinking about it after, but you're just like, Oh my God, how do we make this happen? It's like, no, literally just put it on your calendar and that's it. It's like, what? Seriously?
1: Okay. Honor it and honor it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, if you set that intention, you'll go forward. Okay. I love this is such important message for people to hear if they're a coach or not. If they're a physician in medicine in a hospital, we all do it. We all are such driven, ambitious people that we want to take our jobs so seriously. And um, and, and sometimes our family gets overworked. Sometimes our family, sometimes our spouse, sometimes we overlook ourselves and that's what causes burnout, right? That's what leads to poor patient care or worse outcomes is when we're not taking care of all the people in our lives, because that affects our relationships, affect everything. And then we carry that over to work. And then, yes. Okay. So I could go on, Kathy. (laughs) But we are going to now get to the finance part. Tell me how, who takes, I know you're the visionary. So do you do the investments? Who, how do you guys set up your, is your money to combined to uh, separate? What does that look like?
0: So right now our money is separate. So we're, Thinking about doing a combined account for that we both contribute to, to pay for, you know, shared expenses and that sort of thing. But to be honest, we just haven't gotten around to it. It's, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, we have to go to the bank. And that's a mental thing, right? That, You're still, that both, You're still yeah. <laughs> been married for what? Is it two years? We've been married, j- coming up on two years. We've been together for seven or eight or whatever it is. So okay, got it. Okay, so you've been together for seven, been married for two, almost two. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, so, um, so that's how we have it right now, and you know, it's fine. He is much more of a numbers person, so he keeps track of a lot, almost all of our expenses and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how we do our day-to-day things when it comes to vacations or other things you know he'll pay for this and i'll pay for the he'll pay for the flight i'll do the hotels and it ends up working out in a sense Okay. um investment wise he does a lot more it's really funny how uh how different we are he does a lot more um stocks and i do more real estate and so um that was also something different I was like I, I don't know what to do with the stock market you handle my retirement accounts you handle all of this he's like i got it um and so that's kind of where we are in the finances and I, I it was so funny because when we first started dating he was not um he didn't have a great financial mindset like a money mindset um and part of it was because he had a lot of loans he wasn't making a lot of money as a physical therapist and we were in a trip in barcelona and it was towards the end we wanted to go to one of those gaudi houses and we had to buy admission tickets it was i don't know less than a hundred dollars mm-hmm. and we got into a fight because he was like i don't want to he's like i can't afford this and i was like well I'll, i was in attendance i was like i'll pay for it. he's like i don't want you to pay for it i want to be able to pay my own way and um we ended up talking about money and that sort of thing and it was just a, it was a mindset thing too. It wasn't that he couldn't actually afford it, right? It was just, he was feeling scarcity at yeah. the time.
1: Yeah. And and yeah, maybe he, you said he, he, he had some debt and maybe he just kind of needed a plan or like an overview right? just, just to talk about it with you to figure out.
0: Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: And so tell me and then what about the luxury items cuz I know you've got a story of Hermès in Paris. So tell me about that.
0: <laughs> oh my god, that is a it's a bit of a wild story. So um I got into a rabbit hole sometime like I don't know 2 3 years into being an attending. You know, you get well paid as a physician, right? And you're like, I deserve some nice things. And so um and who doesn't love a beautiful handbag or a really nice pair of shoes and that sort of thing. But it it got to a point where I was like obsessing over getting an Hermes bag, uh-huh. um, like a Birkin or a Kelly. And that those are like 10,000 plus dollar bags. Um, and I want to preface the story, which is to say like, I still have nice bags, et cetera. But I realized that I was attaching my identity to having a nice handbag to have to like carrying it because I always felt so unworthy as a kid because I was bullied and I'm you know I felt like I didn't belong so my friends and I we go to Paris we're like we're gonna you know spend lots of money we're gonna have a great luxurious vacation in Paris it's gonna be amazing It's January in Paris and it's cold AF in Paris. And so I'm like studying all the blogs and the forums. I'm like, I'm going to get a bag. It's going to be great. And they're like, yeah, cool. And so we tried a bunch of times at different Hermes locations. And finally on the last day, um, they're like, oh, you know, uh, the blogs are like, you can wait online at one of the outside online um, at one of the stores before it opens. So I get there, I wait. In like twenty degree weather, windy. Like my, I was freezing outside. My like teeth were chattering. By the time I waited like an hour outside the Hermes store, I go inside and they're like, "What can we help you with?" And I was like, "I would like to to buy a, a bag." And they're like, "What?" And, and it was so ridiculous. I was like, "What am I doing? To try like what lengths am I going?" To, to try and get this bag that I'm not gonna use. Like, cause it's going to be so precious to me, right?
1: Give it to me. Give it to me.
0: <laughs> happy. Okay. So what happened? Did you get the bag? What'd you do? Was that like a big epiphany for you then or what? No, I did not get the bag um, because they're like, no, whatever. We don't have it. Or like they try to send, get me something that else. I was like, I'm not going to pay way. for it.
1: Right, That doesn't work that way at Hermes. No.
0: no, it doesn't work that way. You need to have like a minimum spend or get super lucky or whatever. But it was the best thing that happened to me not getting that bag because I had to learn that my worth isn't related to how much I carry on my handbag, right? Like, or what brands I wear or that sort of thing. And again, to say, I still love all the designer and luxury stuff. And I realized that for me, it was like, I have to want it because I want it, not because I feel like I need it to complete me in a sense. And I think so many of us get wrapped up in that. And it's so alluring and so appealing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. No, I love
1: it. Like, and I've noticed the same thing, Kathy. Like I used to be that person in high school. We didn't we didn't shop at uh, Nordstrom's or Kate Spade. Like I got myself at Walmart. I made my own bag. I made my own bag. So I was big into sewing and it said Kate Louise. Everybody else was carrying their little mini Kate Spade backpacks. Those were like super popular when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And I had my Kate Louise backpack because that's my name. And now I love a good Chanel, you know, like yeah. I do I do love, of Chanel. course, I think it's, it is, we get sucked in um, uh, and then all of a sudden we love it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I still love my bags. I have, you know, I have my Chanel, I have Louis Vuitton bags um, and that's not an issue. I think, you know, for me, it was just like, I don't need to have this. It's a, it's a want. And it's not a need, and yeah. that's okay. And I think being aware of that is, you know, um, is beautiful.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and to put so much emotion into one bag can be really hard. When your kid vomits on it, or when somebody <laughs> spills their drink, right? Like it's like, yeah, it's a thing. Right. It will be okay. Yeah. Just like my car that I occasionally run into a pole, scratch on it. Now, yeah, that's what's going to happen when. Dr. Kate Mangona drives your car. Don't let <laughs> drive your car. She only drives her own car. She takes us to Uber. Okay. And let's get to a little bit more serious topic because as a palliative care doctor, I know you are very, very comfortable talking about end of life. Okay. You help people live um, their life like purposefully because it could be the last year. It could be the last day. You never know. Tell me about that that night when you thought maybe you it was your last night together
0: Mm. yeah tell me about that yeah so um I had a woman who I had a, a patient who came in and he was in his 70s he had fallen and hit his head had a massive brain bleed he would climb the stairs of their apartment complex, you know, 17 flights of stairs, whatever, every single day. He was very fit. He slipped that one day, had a huge brain bleed, and we got consulted in, from the neuro ICU to be like can you help with the palliative extubation first time meeting this patient his wife etc it's like hi i'm from the palliative care team by the way we're going to take your you know husband off the ventilator so you know you can imagine going into that it was like uh okay um and this woman she they had been married for like i don't know 40 50 years um they had no kids. It was just them two. And she, you know, obviously knew she knew that she was making the right decision just based on who he was. He was very intellectual, would never have wanted to live on machines or any of that stuff. And she was clear and obviously rightly so devastated. And I remember this one moment where she's looking up at me and she goes, is it okay if I climb into bed and just like hold him while and, you know, hug him as if we were sleeping in bed um after you take off the vent, take out the ventilator. And I was like, of course. And she was so, she almost felt guilty for asking it. And I was like, yeah, of course. Like I would do absolutely the same thing. And I just remember going home that night and you know getting into bed with my husband and he and you know he fell asleep on me and i just remember holding him so tightly and like i'm i'm a mess i'm crying this entire time because i'm i'm thinking like it could be any of us it could be him and you know thinking that i was like oh my god what if it's our last night together or that sort of thing and he had no idea, right? Like I'm crying, like I'm I'm very silently weeping. He's snoring, he's drooling on my chest. He's like yes. <laughs> that's sort of thing. And and I, and ever since, and even before then, but really since then, I was like, I'm gonna tell you and show you how much I love you every single day. Because if for some reason I leave the house, and you know, and I'm crying now, but if for some reason I leave the house and I don't come back. Or if for some reason, he leaves the house and he doesn't come back. Then both of us will know how much we really mean to each other. And like that's something that's a huge gift for me. And I think for so many of us who work with end of life patients is to just be like, you know, how do we take those lessons and apply it to how we're going to live now? Like, how do we? value the relationships that we're already in instead of being like, Oh my God, it's too late one day. Oh, I wish I had told them how much I love them. I would wish I told them how much they mean to me, whether it's romantic or not. And so that has been a huge, huge gift in my life being in palliative care. And that's why I started the podcast. I was like, if I can share some of this with someone out there who can change, make a small shift in their life or a big one, how beautiful would that be and how wonderful would it be? And so that's kind of um, the genesis of that. Oh oh my gosh. That was such a powerful story.
1: Um, yeah. Life is precious. right? We never know. We never know. And that's why this work on working on your relationships and the people who really mean a lot. I mean, that's, it's everything like we may always want more, we may always want like we can always help other people get more you know create more friends um and and we can always work on the relationships we do have those most important intimate deep relationships
0: we always have. thank you for sharing that kathy Mm, my pleasure thank you for you know bringing that out of me you know
1: is there anything else we we didn't hit on in terms of medicine, we went through palliative care, hospitalist, COVID, marriage, and money. That uh, Any other take-home points or take-home tips or things you just want to kind of sprinkle on us before those?
0: Mm, I think we've talked about a lot. We've covered a lot of points. And you know, at the end of the day, it's just like tell people how much they mean to you now all the time until they're like, stop it, I understand, I get it. You know? <laughs> I I think it's so invaluable to be able to do that. Um, And it makes us feel better as well. So yeah, gratitude
1: and appreciation makes the receiver feel better and ourselves. You're exact. That is exactly. Um, Thank you so much, Kathy for coming on my show. Thank you. I've had such a blast. And where can we find you?
0: Oh, yes. So um, my podcast is called The Purpose Filter, wherever you find podcasts. Um, Instagram handle is Purpose Filter. And I'm also on LinkedIn under um, Kathy Zhang. So, yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Bye. Thanks. Take
1: <laughs> I love that. What a powerful episode with Dr. Kathy Zing! Oh my goodness. I don't know if you guys were crying, but I was crying. And thank goodness she talked about her husband's story and chewing on her chest because we were going to both be sobbing together at the end of that episode. So take home points, my three big take home points from Dr. Kathy Zing. Yes. Number one, find the good in your spouse see the good in your spouse. If you've lost that, you've lost your relationship with them. You've lost the the man or woman or person you fell in love with. So list, what is it? What is it about your spouse that you could say, look, they have such a good, kind heart because, and then list the reasons. Number two, you didn't marry yourself. (laughs) And this has been said before, right? This has been said before and shared before at Medicine, Marriage, and Money. You did not marry somebody to be like you, to act more like you, to do things, to have systems and processes just more like you because you think it'll be more efficient, because you think it'll be better, because you think you will feel better. You Married somebody because of number one, their kind and good heart, and what you see in them, and how they strengthen you and make you a better person. And also, you don't want a robot, right? That's no fun. That becomes boring. That's so mundane and so predictable. So remember, you did not marry yourself for a reason. Number three, tell people how much they mean to you every day there's not too much i love you there's not too much thank yous that there's not too much you mean the world to me there is rarely too much i have yet to meet the spouse who says my spouse is overly loving overbearingly loving she just praises me all day long i have yet to meet that meet that couple maybe that's because the couples who come to me are feeling a little stuck and want the love and the sparks more but I think that's just how things go, right? So learn, learn what do whatever it takes to become better at words of affirmation. Practice them on yourself because we all know if we can't tell ourselves how much we love ourselves, show ourselves grace and compassion, we can't do it to others. Okay, it's very very hard, and where we're doing it to others, it's just it's it's not as genuine. And, you know, in turn, if you do it to others, if you share your love and your compassion, your grace with others, it maybe it becomes easier for you to have more grace and love and compassion for yourself. But it is easier to show it to others if you can show it to yourself first. It is easier. So remember, tell other people how much you mean to them today. Right now, text, call, hug somebody and tell them how much they mean to you. Start with yourself, start with your spouse, go. Go, my friend, spread your wings. And as as I I have said before, the Making Marriage Work program, doors are now officially closed. They've been closed for a few weeks. So if you wish to get on that wait list for our our next program, Our next eight-week program, we will start in March. So email me or go to my website, medicinemarriageandmoney.com. You can find my email me. Let me know you want to hop on that podcast to start strengthening your marriage, to resolve conflict better, to stop just being angry and resentful and lonely in your house, to stop feeling like roommates. Okay, my friends, I hope you walk away asking yourself What are 10 ways I can show my spouse I love them? What is three ways? What are three ways that I can allow my spouse to be more of them and also allow me to be more of me? Okay. And what is it that I love about my spouse? Why did I fall in love with my spouse? And how am I still in love? So much love to you and your spouse.
0: Thank
1: you. This week's podcast is sponsored by our program, Making Marriage Work. The Making Marriage Work program is an eight-week online program focused on helping physicians and their spouses from feeling stuck and disconnected to creating more love Passion and gratitude. The evidence based techniques taught in this program prevent years of pent up resentment, allow marital interdependence and emotional freedom. We will begin tapping into those hidden butterflies faster together. The course is only open three times a year, so be sure to sign up now at medicine, marriage, and money.com. Again, that's medicine, marriage, and money.com. If you are finding the concepts i teach in this podcast useful and want more in-depth personalized support for your relationship consider this your invitation to join me in creating the most connected and intimate relationship with your spouse that you could dream of go to www.medicinemarriageandmoney.com right now and download my 18 page medical marriage survival guide and workbook at no cost to you it has been known to decrease fighting rumination and grudges between your loved ones if you want to take it a step further really enhance the joint connection in all of your relationships, including those most intimate and dear to you, sign up for a discovery call by clicking contact us and book a free consultation. Thank you for leaving a five-star review and for telling your friends about the podcast. You have the power to improve someone else's life simply by sharing and reviewing this podcast. Much love to you and your spouse. You are exactly where you need to be in this moment. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical, or financial advice. The opinions provided on this podcast are those of myself or the invited guest alone. They do not represent the opinions of any particular institution. Always seek the advice of your physician or financial advisor with any questions you may have of a medical condition or financial plan. This is for your entertainment only.